You're listening to Mountain View Church Audio. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a local pastor here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Each week, we bring you a fresh message designed to help you encounter Jesus through biblical instruction. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. We're just glad you're here. ...and uh, Christianity as a whole. Um, pastors are fielding all sorts of questions uh, about the Bible, about Jesus, uh, prayer, eschatology, which is study of end times. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting time to be because people want to know kind of what's out there. Is there something bigger than themselves? In this crisis, we kind of feel alone. And we have to believe there has to be something bigger, someone out there looking down that's in control. Someone has to be controlled because we feel out of control. And, and it's interesting. In looking at, at this, there's some stuff showing up on social media. I just want to quote a couple things that I found on Twitter. The coronavirus has just become biblical. It's beginning to resemble Bible verses. I'm not a religious guy, but I study everything. Listen to this one. All this coronavirus thing is managing to convert me to Christianity. I, I think all the answers are definitely there. I'm going to start reading the Bible. It's crazy, right? Well, and the other thing that's happening is that there's, uh, there's searches on Google that weren't really a priority before. One of the interesting things that's happened on Google is the increase of search uh, in search for prayer and praying. People feel like they want to talk to God now. They weren't concerned before, but now they're like, okay, well, how do I do this? And, and so there's actually an increase of people Googling, how do I pray? What's prayer? What do I do? Check this out. And there's, there's people gathering this information. Uh, Jeanette Siding Benson, associate professor at the University of Copenhagen and executive director of the Association of the Study of Religion, Economics, and Culture, released a preliminary draft of a paper on Monday titled, In Crisis We Pray, Religiosity and the COVID-19 Pandemic. So here's some of what she said. Check this out. I document that Google searches on prayer has skyrocketed during the month of March 2020 when the COVID-19 went when COVID-19 went global. Surged to the highest level during the past 5 years for which comparative Google search data is available, surpassing all other major events that otherwise <laughs> instigate intensified demand for prayer. So this means that over the past 5 years even at times like Christmas and Easter People are uh, praying more now than in the past five years, even in big religious times, big religious events. That's crazy. But here's the other thing. Uh, This occurs on all continents. Even Denmark, one of the least religious countries in the world, sees systematic increases in internet searches on prayer during uh, COVID-19 spikes. So, it's not just about Google searches, too. Did you know more people are actually attending church now? Now, no, they're not attending in person. But online church services, people actually attending online and viewing online is spiking. People who weren't concerned about walking into a church building are finding themselves tuning into church. 
the, the lar- probably largest church or one of the largest churches in the U.S., in the United States, Lakewood Church, they saw a record in their first service of not actually attending in a, in a gathering, in a real gathering, but an online gathering. They saw a peak of 4.51 million viewers. This topped their previous peak of 4.19, 4.17 million, which was achieved when celebrity Kanye West hosted his Sunday service. So COVID-19 causes more people to watch church than Kanye West does. That's a thing. So check this out. Passion City Church, another huge church in the U.S., typically gets about 65,000 viewers. Well, on the first closed-door Sunday, they saw over 200,000 viewers. How is that happening? What about Canada? Village Church, they have tripled the number of viewers. And the way they're kind of sorting things out, it's hard to find exact numbers. But I was speaking to one of their pastors uh, this week, and he says they're probably reaching about 8,000 to 10,000 first-time viewers, first-time attenders in their church. These are people who don't usually go. But maybe you're thinking, well, what about Little Old Whitehorse? What about Mountain View Church? Well, we typically see about 200 adults and kids on a Sunday gathering, we get about 200 online viewers. Well, our first service with closed door, we're upwards of over 800 views. So we here in Little Old Whitehorse are doubling the amount of people coming to our church service. Now, they may be coming from their couch in their pajamas. Maybe that's what you're doing right now. But they're interested. They're seeking. More people want to know about Jesus and what God's doing in this crisis moment than ever before. This is an amazing opportunity. But here's the kicker. Each of these views, it doesn't just mean a single view. Because when you're talking about someone in the seat, that's a seat. But when you're talking about a view, some of these views are actually couples or families. Maybe even a family of four or five sitting and watching church. And yet it's still just a single view, but it's four people. So we don't even know the actual real numbers of how many people are digesting Christian content on the internet during this time. But what we do know is that they're searching for answers. Maybe you're searching for answers. Over the past few weeks, we've been trying to provide some answers. If this is your first time checking in, you can go to mountainviewwhitehorse.ca and you can click the listen online uh, heading at the top and you can listen to past messages. Over the past three weeks, we've been really trying to address some of the big questions around the end of the world. That's what people keep asking about. Because this is a global pandemic, pastors and ministers are getting the question of, uh, is, is Jesus coming back? Maybe that's what you're asking. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're confused. Today, we hope we can provide some answers for you. And, and hope's significant. We've been going through a series uh, titled Hope, going through Peter's two letters, first and second Peter. Now, Peter was an apostle of Jesus that God used to bring hope to a hopeless generation. Uh, And his writings for over 2,000 years have continued to bring hope to the hopeless, so much so that theologians have titled him as the apostle of hope. Maybe he's going to provide hope to you. Maybe something written 2,000 years ago is finally going to be something that soothes your soul, that provides the answers that you're so desperately looking for. Let's jump in. If you have a physical print Bible, you're going to want to open it to 2 Peter. 
if you have a print Bible, but you're not sure how to look things up, don't stress it. Just go to the table of contents in the front. You're going to want to look for 2 Peter. Bump to there, and then you're going to look for chapter 3. That's the big number, and then you want to go to verse 9. That's the little number. If you don't have a print Bible and you have a mobile device, tablet, maybe you even have a laptop, MacBook, you can download a Bible app. I suggest you download the Faith Life Bible app. The information's up there above. And you can download that. And the best part of the Faith Life Bible app is after this message, you can access all the slides. So we're talking about the song lyrics, the Bible reading passages, the announcements and updates that you're going to hear later, as well as all my sermon notes in those slide forms. You're going to be able to access that after the message is posted. So this is pretty advantageous if through the week you're like, what did that guy say? What did we sing about? I want to go back and look. You can have it all there on your app. So it's really advantageous, okay? And to give you a background, this is written in 67 to 68 AD. And at this time, this is kind of a crazy time because uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven. Jesus came to the earth. He served humanity. He healed, he resurrected people, did crazy awesome miracles. And then eventually what happened is they killed him. They crucified him. But it was all part of the plan because he took the sins of the world on his shoulders and he died for you and died for me. The wrong that we've done, the sin that's in our hearts. And he took payment for that and he was crucified. And they buried him. But on the third day, he (laughs) he did not stay dead. On the third day, he rose again And he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered all the wrong and darkness in the world, and then a little while later, he ascended to heaven. But here's the catch. Before he ascended, he gathered his followers, and he said, I promise I will return again one day. And this is really the big question in culture right now. This was the big question at this time. In 67 to 68 AD, this is what they wanted to know. Why? Because they were in crisis too, just like us. The Roman Empire was ruling the known world with an iron fist. And get this, if you followed Jesus, they hated you the worst. They persecuted you. And some people that followed Jesus, some Christians, Christ followers, they would take into Colosseums and they would use a sport or they would just crucify them and execute them for following Jesus. Peter himself was executed before this letter ever got into circulation. That's a big deal. These people... At the time this was written, we're in crisis. You feel, I feel like we're in crisis. There's things that we don't know, times are uncertain, and and this can provide answers. What does this mean? When does the end come? Where does Jesus fit into all this? There's answers. So let's jump in. The the first thing we're going to look at in verse 9. Again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Here's what it says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Let's pause right there. He's not slow, as some people count slowness, but he's patient toward you. Now, Peter's going to do something in this passage that's really interesting and really helpful for you if you're kind of searching and you're skeptic and you kind of want answers. Peter is going to take a a couple vantage points. He's going to start with this massive vantage point of God, and he's he's going to try to get us to help understand, okay, what's it like God looking down at the world? Okay, that's the first vantage point. Then a second vantage point, we're going to get into the world. So the world meaning like all people. What's that vantage point? And then the third vantage point, he's going to get into the church, Christians. So maybe you have chosen to follow Jesus. I know I have. 
And that's what he's going to talk about next. What's it like to live in this world as a Jesus follower, as a Christian? Three vantage points. First vantage point is God's. And he says, he says, vantage point one, the Lord is not slow, but he's patient. Now, what does that even mean? Well, in the previous verse, in verse 8, we need to remember, if you didn't catch last week, that's what we talked about. But it says that a year is like a thousand years, or one day is like a thousand years to God, and a thousand years is like a day. God's timeline is different than you and I's. We want things quick. God doesn't work like that. But it's not that he's slow, because we could be tempted to say that, say, oh, well, God's just slow. It's not. He's patient. He's waiting. He's patient for a world that needs him. And that's important for us, because we're all in a hurry. Let's face it. We've been in a hurry for a long time. If there's one thing that COVID-19 has shown us, is that we're probably too busy, and now we're all self-isolated, and now we have so much more time to kind of figure out what life's all about. And God is there patiently waiting. And maybe you have questions, maybe you're searching, maybe you're seeking, maybe you're skeptical, but I just want you to know that God's heart is patient. And I get it. Maybe you've come across churches, maybe you've come across Christians, and they're not patient. We're not patient. Let's just be real. Sometimes Christians, they want to bang you over the head with a Bible, and they're like, want you to, you need to come to know Jesus right now. You need to get on it. And there's actually doomsday preachers out there right now that are just heaping fear and all sorts of stuff, and, and it's not patient. That's not God's heart. See, God's heart and what Christians need to do for people that are searching is we need to be patient. We need to allow the questions. We need to allow the time, and we want to do that. If you have questions, you need to put them in the comments section right now, and we want to answer those. We want to walk with you. We want to take the time. At Mountain View Church, we want to have God's heart that, not to be slow, we want to do our part. We want to be people of action, but we want to be patient with you as you search and as you try to figure this whole thing out. But now let's go back to a different vantage point. Let's look. So finishing off verse 9. So it says, The Lord's patient, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved and the earth. Let's pause on this earth part for a second. So the second vantage point that we're going to look at is the world, which is all people. And God, here's why God's patient. Is he, he's patient because he doesn't want the world to perish. He doesn't want the world to end, the universe to end. He doesn't want all to end and everyone to end up separated from him. His desire, his love, his passion is that he wants to be in union. He wants to be with you, which is where this word repent comes in. Now, if you're not from church, you're like, what is repent? It doesn't make any sense, right? It's kind of a weird word. Well, I want to give you a little bit of a definition. That repent is a feeling of regret, a changing of the mind, and a turning from sin to God. See, repent isn't just about like, oh, I feel bad. It's an, actu- it's an action thing. It's a turning from one way to another. Sin, if you're not familiar with that, sin is like self-centeredness, selfishness. Because our world is, it calls to us focus on me first. That's kind of what the world shows, like self-care, me time, these kind of things. 
But that is rooted in what's called our sin nature, that humanity is totally depraved and we just focus on self. And so in focusing on self, that is one direction. But what God wants, what he desires, is he wants us to to turn, to turn from uh, self and, and sin to repent, to change direction, and head in the direction of God, head towards God. That's his desire for us. And this is what he's saying, is if you, if you just focus on yourself, and if you live in your needs, your wants, and all about you, that, he's saying, rightly or wrongly, I know it's not fun, but that heads to destruction. That at the end of the day, at the end of the world, at the end of our lives, when, in, when Jesus comes back, whether he comes back now or a hundred years from now, that when that happens, that a direction of self ends to destruction. And so he's patient because he wants us to repent, which is the changing of directions. He wants us to start heading towards him. He's like, I want relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. And you're just focused on yourself. But, but this is where COVID-19 has shifted that, hasn't it? This is why you're listening now, maybe. Because all of a sudden it's like, you know what, God, maybe you are out there and maybe I'm going to try. Because I can't do this on my own. Because self it gets me nowhere. I got no answers. So you know what? I'm going to try you. And that's his vantage point. Some of us, COVID-19 has caused us to turn, to totally shift perspective. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this universe thing. Uh, the, or sorry, heavenly bodies. Because some of you might have saw this, well, heavenly bodies, what's a heavenly body? What does that, me- what does that mean? Well, this is a biblical term, and this is how in, in biblical language they talk about the universe. We're talking about stars, planets, everything like this. Now, here's a popular thing in our world. I've heard people pray to the universe, or like, I just, I just got to throw it out there to the universe. You know, COVID-19, it's wearing us down, so I'm just going to throw that out to the universe and, you know, just hope for the best. Here, here's what's super important about what Peter's saying, because this is hard. When he's saying the, the heavenly bodies are going to be burnt up, that's hard language. Because what he said, the universe will be gone. And then he says, and the earth. And, and we're focused on, on our planet and then the universe. And some, some of you maybe are looking to the universe for help. Here's the problem with that. Past the millions and millions of galaxies, on the other end of that, somewhere, out into the spiritual, past the physical, God created that. And sometimes we get so duped into starting to pray to and worship creation that we forget that all that stuff, that as far as that telescope can reach, that even there, God created that. And there will come a time, whether we like it or not, and again, I'm not saying when, but there's going to come a time where Jesus is going to fulfill his promise that he's going to return, and the world, the universe, the planets, the stars... They're done. That time is done. And that's a harsh reality. And what we don't want to be doing in that time is calling up and throwing up prayers to planets and stars, hoping that these created objects are going to help us. And we missed. We didn't throw far enough. We got to throw higher past the creation to the creator. Because when we do that, you know what happens? The creator comes to us. And then God is there. And someone who seems so distant, so distant, past the longest, farthest telescope, all of a sudden is right there with us. See, he created the magnitude and the majesty of the heavenly bodies, the universe. 
and yet he wants to be in your heart and mind. That's crazy. But it's about that turning. I'm leaving self and sin. I'm going to leave a me-centered world, and I'm going to turn to a God-centered world. And this gets to our third vantage point. Now, if you're out there, and you believe in Jesus, you have, you believe that Jesus died for your sin, and that you believe he's made a way, he conquered sin and death at the resurrection, and you, you heard God calling you a long time ago, or, or maybe even right now, and you have given your life to him, and you say, I belong to Jesus. Well, this second vantage point is for you. In verse 10, it says this. So he says, we'll be burnt up and dissolved and the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? So this second vantage point, this is for people who say they follow Jesus. This is for church folk. And what the vantage point here is, the church is not just waiting we're supposed to be hastening. Now, what's hasten? It's not like it's a word we use very common. I, I don't use hasten. I don't even remember the last time, other than this message, I used the word hasten. Hasten the day. Hastening the day. What does that mean? Well, one author puts it this way. From a human perspective, when Christians share the gospel with others and pray and advance the kingdom of God in other ways, they do hasten the fulfillment of God's purposes, including Christ's return. Now, I don't know how this works on a theological level. I'm just going to put that out right there. Uh, I know there is time set by the Father that Jesus is supposed to return. And yet, Christians, people who follow Jesus, are supposed to live in such a way that we don't just sit around watching YouTube waiting for Jesus to come back. That we are active. That, that we hasten the day of Jesus' return. That, that we're, we're actively doing things that we're telling people about Jesus. And maybe some of you are saying, but Jeremy, I'm in self-isolation. I can't hang out with my friends. Bogus. That's not a good enough reason. There are people you can call. There are people who you can reach out to. There are friends and neighbors that maybe they need prayer. According to Google, they need prayer. Why don't you just call them or message them and say, hey, can I pray for you? This whole thing's crazy. What can I do? I have a relationship with Jesus. I know God. Maybe I can provide some answers for you. This is your time to be bold. If it's too hard to talk to them about Jesus in the coffee shop, take a chance. What do you got to lose? You don't have to see them at work tomorrow in the office. Tell them about Jesus. Hasten the day. Do not just sit around waiting for Jesus to come back. Be active in your faith. And I just want to say something right here. I just want to talk for a moment. I want to talk to worship pastors and worship directors who have been trying their best to bring media and technology to the church. I want to talk to children's directors and teachers and children's pastors who have been trying to bring multimedia into, into the Sunday church classroom. I want to talk to pastors out there that have been trying to use Bible apps and encourage people to use their phones and tablets in church for the past 10 years. Because over the past 10 years, you got pushback, and you felt in your heart that innovation and technology would help you hasten the day. You felt Jesus calling you, the Spirit calling you, like, we need to be, we need to be in tune with culture, and, and we need to be up on this. Well, that moment came. You were hastening the day, and now the church needs you more than ever. And I know it's hard, because sometimes you got kickback. You got people saying technology innovation isn't belong in the church, and, and we just need to wait and be patient. 
and inside you felt, no, we could be doing more. Now's the time. Now's the time. You and your skills and your abilities, if you know how to use technology, you can use innovative ways to reach people for Jesus, and you can help others do the same. This is our time. We cannot just wait around for COVID-19 to end. We have to hasten the day and use everything we can. And you can do it. Now, it's coming back to this repentance thing. Maybe some of you, real talk, maybe some of you were pushing against innovation and technology in the church. Maybe some of you were the ones angry about people bringing their cell phones into church or you didn't like it when the worship pastor wanted to use tablets and multimedia. I get it. You were sure things were supposed to go in a certain direction and that's been rocked. Maybe it's a time of repentance for you. Maybe it's time to give a call to that person that was trying to innovate your church, that was trying to bring the gospel to the world through new ways. Be, be open and honest with them. Give them a call and say, you know what, I'm sorry. And I need you now. The church needs you now more than ever. And, and I'm so thankful. There's a crew of people behind me that you guys can't see. Some of them came up and went down, but there's more that won't be on camera. And here at Mountain View Church, you know who those people are here in our church that have helped bring us forward and excel and not just wait for COVID to be done, not just wait for Jesus to come back whenever he does, but they are hastening. They are using their gifts and ability and they are bringing the message to the masses. We want to reach Whitehorse with the gospel. We want to reach the Yukon with the message of Jesus Christ. We do not want anyone to pass from this earth in any way, shape, or form unless they know him. And so, are we hastening the day? If you're here and you don't have, you don't know anything about Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to accept him. God is looking down and he's patient for you. He's reaching down. He, he wants to know you. He does not to want to be way up there in the universe. He wants to be real and in your life. And maybe for you, you've known Jesus, but you've walked away a little bit, and now all of a sudden you're watching church online and you're thinking, I need to get back connected with Jesus. Whether you never knew God before or whether you've just realized God now, he sent his son to die for you, to die for that self-centeredness, to die for that sin. But that son rose again, defeating darkness, defeating sin, defeating it all. And now he's sending his spirit to live within us. God's spirit living inside of us. That's crazy. And God provides answers through his spirit. If you would like to give your life to Jesus today, or if maybe you've walked away and you want to recommit your life to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer today. And we're going to close. And I want to give you an opportunity to reconnect. And may, may no one perish. May we seek repentance wherever we're at. May we seek that turning from self to God through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I got self-centeredness, that I have selfishness, and it gets in the way. You're reaching down patiently, and you desire to have a relationship with me. You want to know me. You want me to walk with you, but my sin and myself just gets in the way. This is a crazy time, Lord, with coronavirus. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on a lot of the time. But you want to use this to meet me. 
And so I submit that, that I've been selfish, that I've been a sinner, and I would ask you to forgive me. I would ask that you send your spirit into my life. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me and pay for my sin and self-centeredness. And I believe that he rose again and he conquered that sin and death and that I can be perfect and I can walk with you. Help me pray to you. Help me learn more about you. Help me read the Bible and understand it. Help me reach out to people that know you. And help me reach out to others. Help me tell people about Jesus. Help me tell people about God. Help me teach people how to read the Bible. Help me teach people how to pray. Father, I don't want to end this world whenever it ends. I don't want to end without you. And so today I repent, I turn from self, and I turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If God has used this message to impact your life today, I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a message at jeremy at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca or on your favorite social network at Pastor Jeremy Norton. To get connected with Mountain View Church or to support Mountain View Ministries through a financial gift, please visit mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's mountainviewwhitehorse.ca.